0: Hello, and welcome to our very, very first podcast, and thank you for joining us. Um, my name is Martina.
1: And my name is Gustavo. It's a really great day here. Um, also with, we just recently learned today the passing of Hubert de Jiwon-Chi at 91.
0: 91 uh, years old. 91
1: years old. Wow. Such a legacy. Um, how did you hear about it?
0: I, it actually popped up on my iPhone this morning. CNN posted it, and it was a big thing. It's, uh, he's, to me, at least one of the last living icons of traditional fashion as, as we are ushered into a new era of a very modern, very unexpected fashion that also falls in line with our, our society nowadays. So um, it's it's to me, at least, it's a very sad sad thing to
1: hear it is yes he is well he was one of the longest living of the fashion icons in Paris and my Facebook status was one of the quotes he did in 2007 which is Balenciaga was my religion he told WWD in 2007 and he goes on saying there's Balenciaga and the good Lord which is like, wow. Which I did a little bit of researching. Mm-hmm. Which he was really a fan of Balenciaga and before when he finished school he showed him a sketch. But back then Balenciaga was like, No. He closed shut the door on him. Yeah, he <laughs> shut him down and then but after that he wasn't heard about it or anything like that. He I actually became good friends right. from what I kept reading. Yes, yeah, so he's also famous for um, dressing R. G. Hepburn a lot.
0: Which is kind of where Where the inspiration of, I guess, our podcast name came into play with a little black dress. (laughs) Right.
1: Um, And he also dressed a lot of ladies, right? Jackie O, um, Grace Kelly, a lot, a lot, a lot. So that's really unfortunate to happen today. Um, But yeah, we're still here. Thank you for joining us. Um, Hopefully we don't bore you.
0: Yeah, hopefully we're at least entertaining, and if we suck at this, then at least we say we tried. Right,
1: (laughs) but we're still gonna keep going anyway. So you better tune in next time. (laughs) Um, So yeah, so a little bit about us. Um, We've it's been a long time from actually thinking about it to actually. Uh, Yeah, it's been a long. Yeah, it's
0: been a long thing in the making as far as um, it was an idea that we've kicked around for quite some time, and it was one of those things that unfortunately to get both of us in the same room. It just it never. Uh, it just it never panned out and it was one of those things that we really had to just buckle down and say okay we're gonna do this and actually put together a day or a time otherwise it was never gonna happen right. so but yeah we um I mean just as far as a little bit about us we met in 2012 right yes 2012 we both went to school I have a background in fashion design Gustavo has a uh, uh, fashion merchandising is it a, ba- a bachelor's, bachelor's in fashion in, merchandising yeah. okay um, and we went on a study trip to New York City. Our part of our curriculum um, was an optional trip to New York City, and it was uh, during the week of Fashion Week, during the fall. And uh, it kind of gave you an insider's perspective as to what the fashion industry is like on one of the most important night or most important weeks of the year, I should say. And um, lots of trips to showrooms. We've met several designers over the course of time. We've sat first row at a lot of fashion shows, mm-hmm. and um, that's kind of where we discovered our mutual to love, love for, for fashion. Right, exactly.
1: Yes. So where did you guys go? Because we back then in 2012, they still had fashion night Out.
0: We did the first year. Yeah, I've been twice on that study trip, and the first year we did fashion's night out. Um, I don't think we were part of the same group, though. No, um, we weren't. We were different. I, didn't think so.
1: I was with um, Armando and Juanita. Okay. We yeah. ended up going to. Soho.
0: Oh, yeah. No, we didn't um, do that. We yeah. did all of of Midtown and um, Upper East Side. So we had a completely different, completely opposite ends of Manhattan. But yeah. um, that's kind of where our story um, started. And we went to school and graduated and stayed friends long after. And it's almost 10 years that we're friends, eight years that eight years. We're, uh, we've known each other. So it's... Uh, a long time coming. Great. Yes. So I, I think the most important thing that we want to get across to everyone who, who will continue to listen to us on a, a regular basis is that we're no, by no means fashion insiders. Do we do this uh, in the sense like are we fashion designers? Are we in the, the crevices of the most important people of the fashion industry? We're by no means that we're very much average people that um, are involved in the fashion industry, but we have our own opinions and and look at things from a much different perspective than I think most do, um, just because we've been educated in it. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think that's the purpose of our podcast is to bring our own opinions to others, and hopefully you guys like us.
1: Right, because definitely we'll, there probably will be debates um, or probably will, you know, hit a nerve here or there. I'm sure that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and that's a good thing because we get, you know, we... We get to talk about it and at least see your point of view of why of why we like certain things of certain odds. You right. know, there's designers that she likes that I don't like and vice versa and I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. So hopefully, credit figures fingers, everything is going to be cool. Um, so that's a little bit about us.
0: Yeah. I mean, we could talk about... Why don't you start off kind of give them an idea of what you're involved in right now and and what you do okay
1: so right now i am working at we i work in a manufacturing plant where we um it's kind of like an e-commerce kind of place uh what we do is we shall we sell chef wares anything has to do with chefs and sous chefs and with the restaurants uh we cut it we sell there and everything's made in chicago everything is uh made in the u.s And shipped out everywhere. Uh, Another part that I do is I still work for this marketing company where we do fashion shows. Um, My boss is co-owner of Latino Fashion Week which is um, now in its 12th year and it outlasts the Chicago Fashion Week. Um, That alone has, you know, I've met a lot of great designers um, who speak the same language as me. And, you know, just seeing their point of view and their techniques that it's different from American sportswear to their way of what an elegant dress is to them. So I I love that part that I get to interact with other designers and, you know, their assistants and stuff like that and do the production. And um, it's really fun. And I never saw myself doing that because I went to the New York trip to avoid working the imagine show and <laughs> uh, but I ended up doing it and I, I like it. I love it. So
0: Who's your favorite designer?
1: That we had so far or uh, in general?
0: Just in general.
1: In general it's Carolina Herrera. I love her so much. Um so I was kinda sad that, you know, she gave her final Her bow. final shout. Her final yes, yeah, her final bow at MoMA And now it's Wes Gordon, which he's a good designer. He knows Feminine, just like she does. So we'll see what he brings. Um, And other than that, another one is Balenciaga, the original Cristobal. Mm -hmm. You know, he really was a really great designer. I guess the master, because everyone actually does hail him. Even the people who are the really, really couturiers of what they are now. So,
0: yeah. Nice. Um... I, on the other hand, I have a very much different perspective. Gustavo is much more hands-on. He's much more on the production end um, versus I'm more so on the retail sector of everything. I work for a large menswear retail company and I'm very much involved in weddings and formal wear and uh, more so on the execution end of what a customer ends up seeing. So his is more the conceptual, more of the manufacturing, I'm more on the tail end of what's actually delivered, what's the end product to a customer. So um, I I think the purpose of with this podcast too is we're going to be able to provide you different perspectives as far as certain topics or certain design and and what's going to sell, what won't. And I think that's a really great fresh perspective that that we bring to to the table that most podcasts that I've listened to don't do.
1: Right. Yeah, some of them are just, designers, some of them are, um...
0: It's not multifaceted. Not multifaceted,
1: yeah. It's only, like, one point of view. Right. Which us, like like she was saying earlier, with our education, if they were able to bring you more than the just that. Right. Which is pretty cool. So, um... Let's go on with the show. So, we're going to talk a little bit about the Oscars. I know we're... Maybe like a week later or so. Or they just... Yeah, like a week or so. But it's been... I wasn't as impressed as I've been over the years. I think maybe... I don't think it's... Let me not quote myself. But I think it's the um, Me Too movement and everything like that. that A lot of them um, are not being as flashy as they used to be. Uh,
0: yeah, I could see that. Well, yes and no. There were some that were just... Ridiculous looking, and then some that were just like Gustavo said, very, very understated, very um, muted. As mm-hmm. far as there's not much to them, um, it's. I think you're right. I think it does fall in line with that that whole Me Too movement, the Time's Up movement. Yeah. Um, so I think it definitely does play into it. Did you have any favorites at the show, or?
1: Um. I want to say the one that I actually did like was the Lupita Nyong'o, Atelier Versace. Oh, I
0: could see that, yeah. That was really mm-hmm. cool.
1: I think it was really, it played with her tone.
0: Oh, she always wears something fantastic. Yeah. Though. Like, I don't, that girl can't do anything wrong.
1: <laughs> I think it, it just, it worked perfect with her. And then coming off of, you know, Black Panther. Mm-hmm. Have you seen it? Mm-hmm. Uh, that movie is fantastic. The costumes was amazing.
0: They recently, there's a, a local television station here that just recently interviewed her. And just, even just the previews of, of that movie are just, they've done a phenomenal job, so. And to cast yes. someone as strong as her. her. It's a great yes, choice. it's good choice, yes.
1: Yeah, the movie was really great. Um, another one that I did like was Sally Hawkins in Amani Privé, which I think was really appropriate for her. It was long Lovely, even Age long. appropriate, Age yeah. Appropriate yet, mm-hmm. Which pretty, I thought it was pretty. But other than that, I wasn't as wild as I was. Like Nicole Kidman wore that blue, With
0: the big bow. Yeah, it's the
1: big bow. <laughs> I was like, what was that? You
0: know what though? It looked pretty phenomenal on her. I will give her that. The like, color was great. Yeah, most people. It, well, even just the bow itself, most people would never be able to pull off something as ext- i don't even want to use the word extravagant because it wasn't even that but it was such a statement maker in the sense that she showed up with this big bow across her hip but it worked for her right i don't think if you put it on someone else would it have looked the same probably not um so it was it was interesting the color like you said was beautiful is this beautiful yeah. sapphire blue um it looked phenomenal on her
1: maybe because she doesn't have any
0: hips She's, well, very tall and thin, so she, it works for her, but...
1: Right. Um, Do you have any favorites?
0: I personally love, like, I had three favorites, but my top, top favorite was Gina Rodriguez. I don't know if anybody's familiar with her. She's uh, Mm. the star of Jane the Virgin that's on CW. Um, She wore Zuhair Murad, and it was this beautiful, like, taupey champagne number that's very typical with all of the... Uh, beading and all the stones that Zuhair Murad is very well known for, um, very very tight fitting skirt and then it had a big billowy um, ball gown type piece on top that was attached at the waist, and it just it looked phenomenal. Yes, on
1: her. yeah, I remember because she presented with Tom, Tom Holland. I, I believe so. Yeah, yeah, it looked great right at her.
0: Um, and then my other favorite was Alison Janney in ream acra it was this mm. f- as you were saying very understated it's very understated um candy apple red dress and it had long sleeves on it a boat neck um, and the sleeves were split about halfway up it just it that looked phenomenal on her and then um miley cyrus but miley cyrus's after party at vanity at the vanity fair after party was my favorite it was split in half um it was all champagne on one side, and then it was black on the other, and it uh, was split right down the center. It was mm. that looked phenomenal on her as yes. well at that at that party. So um,
1: yes, a lot of um, I saw pictures from the Fanity Fair. I'm like, these were actually pretty good gowns. I'm like, why didn't nobody wear them? Yeah, something they like weren't Oscar actress? worthy. Yeah, right. It's
0: funny because they were some of the most phenomenal things to the after parties. Yeah. That I mean, they're photographed, but not as as photographed as the actual Oscars are so it's it's very interesting
1: I thought thought, um Zendaya looked cute in Giambattista Valley.
0: I did see that yeah I think
1: it was it was nice the color was great but I think it was um it was safe it looked really nice in her but I wish it was less um billowy on the Sleeves, well, but it is a Giambattista. I was Bali, gonna say that's right. That
0: comes with the territory right. of that designer. So, but
1: I thought it was a really cool dress for the guys. um Timothy Chalamet, who's been wearing Berluti all the time, he wore a white suit with black pants. I mean, black shoes. I'm like, why are you wearing black shoes? Uh,
0: because everybody's looking for for the next biggest thing of what's what's going to be the next trend, you know? Right. Um,
1: I did see that, and I I had the same exact thoughts you did. But <laughs> I mean,
0: at that point, just wear white
1: shoes. Yeah. Well. <laughs> or it's gray or something. Or I'm just like I didn't I didn't get it. But I mean, it was I don't know. I was just confused by it. And then who else? Gaga da in chi It looked a little bit flapperish. Mhm. Um, but she looks cute in anything. So. You know we'll see right so that's our oscar recap anything else you want to add
0: no tell us if you guys had any particular favorites as well obviously if there's something that stood out to you uh, definitely let us know we would love to to hear everybody's thoughts because there's certain things that you take a second look at it and it may may look different to you so um, and then, as far as anything new that's tipp or that's happened recently in the news, we've had a couple things um, happen recently. Um, two things we've had: Stella McCartney breaking ties with her parent company, Tearing, Or I'm sorry, tearing, um, And then Ricardo Tisci at Burberry for finally. So after months of speculation, mm. um, it's finally come to light that uh, that he's finally going to Burberry. So. Um, that she'll be interesting um obviously with the the current designer christopher bailey being there for 17 years that's that was their their constant that was what they were used to and now mm. you've brought in a designer very much like ricardo who came from a brand that was was resurrected um and brought them into a light of being a seductive, sexy, dark collection, and and is now going to Burberry, who's very traditional. So. Um, they're known for their trench coats and their plaid shirts and their plaid scarves, and and, and to take a designer such as as himself and plant him into that, it, it makes you wonder because they're they're two opposite ends of the the spectrum. So it's going to be interesting to see what what comes of it if he's going to resurrect um the brand, Burberry, Burberry as yeah. well too and kind of uh put them at the forefront as as he did with with the others and um it, it it'll be interesting i mean what did you think about the
1: um the uh, I, announcement the announcement i i don't know i'm a little hesitant but i'm really curious to see because like you just said, he did revive one after you know so many other designers. Great designers came after him, but I think he was the one that kind of turned it up a notch. Sure. You know, yeah. where everything was a little bit more wearable. You know, than kind of not. I don't want to say costumy, but not realistically. Well, it was you know? it was
0: something that was meant to be photographed, right. and and there was no wearability. It
1: to was, it, yeah. Right. So I think coming. I think. I'm, what I'm curious most to see is his menswear because Ricardo Tici is more of a streetwear designer than he is of a more traditional English boy.
0: Yeah, and so it's going to be that luxury so be, turned into yes, cutting edge. Exactly. Um, so it'll be interesting. I mean, Burberry stock shot up 5% the day that it was announced. It was
1: announced. So maybe that's say.
0: maybe that's what they need. Maybe it's this is this is his calling, and he's supposed to end up there to to resurrect this brand as well, and right. and do his his work there. Um, yeah, to-
1: because each season, I'm sorry, each season with Christopher Bailey, I was like, wow, me with something, wow, me with something, but it was never full enough. Like, bam, this is what I can do. It was always like little stuff here and there. It was never like a complete like, wow, this collection actually is amazing. Um, I think the few things that I could think of was like the studded spiked leather jackets he did for men and then he did um a little bit more bigger bags cause you know they were more on demand right. um he did a lot of like he was one of the first ones that did um the blanket scarves you know I think that was that's really great you know
0: well, but it's, yeah it's gonna be very interesting to, to see what comes comes to to play because um Ricardo Tisci was brought over to Givenchy by Marco Govetti in 2005, mm. and the same man has now brought him over to Burberry. Mm. Um, so he must have seen what you know what type of success Ricardo had mm-hmm. at uh, at Givenchy, and and decided that you know this is what Burberry needs, and hopefully this will shake it up in the right direction, and and will be the good thing for too. them. Yeah,
1: because it it has been a little. ISOR. not eyesore, but more like a. It's
0: very. It's your very traditional, British, British brand, brand is what it is, and I mean nothing wrong with that. But it'll, it'll be interesting to see a designer that's very very couture. I, I consider him couture. Yeah. Um, coming from from his previous designs, mm-hmm. um, to a very traditional, very, uh, posh, very put together brand. And could he redesign the trench coat? That was my first thought was, okay, if they're bringing him in, what's he going to redesign now? Or what's he going to introduce that's already been around and he's going to reinvent it and make it completely different um and I mean quite frankly, I'd like to see what he would do with that.
1: It'll be black and white and red. <laughs> <laughs> the bloodshed, yes, yes. I really thought Phoebe Philo was gonna take over Burberry. Because, you know, she also ended her contract with Celine. Um and she's very British. Her style has always been that British tomboy kind of girl. Mhm. So I really thought she was the one that's gonna was gonna take the reins of Burberry.
0: Interesting, yeah. I mean, I I could see where most people would expect that too, and sometimes, um, I, I mean, I think that would be really interesting to see her. But at the same time, I'm kind of I don't know I'm kind of rooting for him in some sense because he is. For lack of a better phrase, he's he's kind of a fish out of water because mm-hmm. this isn't what he's accustomed to designing. So yeah. I'm almost interested to see what he'll do in something that's completely different and, and his, how to right and how to carry on that uh, Burberry legacy. Right.
1: And, yeah, it would definitely be interesting. Like I said, I'm curious about his his menswear more than anything. Because, you know, at Givenchy, he introduced the tennis skirts, you know, and then he did a lot of elongated tees and he did like the curved sweaters and then he did this and that. And, you know, he had like a lot of guys wearing Givenchy, you know, actually wearing prints and birds and stuff like that. So I kind of want to see what he does for the men's, especially for the English, not for the English boy, but, you know, it is an English brand Burberry. So a lot of them, you know,
0: you know, carry over, yeah.
1: So that's really interesting to see.
0: Okay. Um, And then as far as I had mentioned, even um, Stella McCartney um, has now break, has now broken ties with her parent company caring who I actually didn't know this. I don't know if you knew this um, was originally started um, by Tom Ford and -hmm. Domenico De Sole. And it was called the Gucci group. Mm -hmm. And then became caring, um, which owns Gucci. Um, they own YSL. So a lot of those luxury labels are are part of I Think
1: McQueen. They own Alexander McQueen.
0: Uh, they might. I believe so. Yeah. Um, so I mean, it's it's a big thing. They they're looking to sell back fifty percent of their their stake, all of their shares, back to Stella McCartney and. This is not after like a five-year gig. It's it's seventeen years. It's <laughs> mm-hmm. a long time that uh, they've been they've been in business yes. together. And uh, the rumor has it that her father, Sir Paul McCartney, financed the deal to get the 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 stakes back in her favor and give her sole ownership of the company again. So it'll it'll be interesting to see. Um, in the coming in the coming weeks what happens because it's not an official announcement either um, it's just kind of speculation that's that's been going around on the internet so interesting yeah
1: um she's do you think she'll make her uncle glamorous
0: you know i'm wondering because we talked about this the yeah. a couple of days back and i made the comment to you i said they're looking the the reason that they're looking to sell these shares back, or so they claim, is is that the fact that they want to focus on their bigger luxury labels, such as the Gucci, the YSL, the Balenciagas mm-hmm. of, of the world, that um, are big luxury names and are are money makers, mm-hmm. basically. But Sal McCartney, by no means, is is uh, is pocket change, for lack of a better, you know, right. It, she's also very very much holding on her her her, own own, you know so to me at least she seems to be the most wearable out of all four of those and to make them not not necessarily a household name but a name that's much more affordable if that's the correct you know term to use but is still exclusive as you would find them in a Barney's, you would find them in a Saks kind of exclusivity. Um, But Gucci and YSL and and Balenciaga, they've taken a a much different route. And at least to me, and this is where the minimalist in me comes into play, (laughs) um, is that to me, it's just not wearable. It's it's great for a photograph. And Gustavo will disagree with me and he'll tell me that he loves half of it. And I just, I can't get on board with it. And so to me... To create a whole conglomerate for Selma McCartney, I think would be phenomenal. Yeah. To see her take off the ground even further and, you know, kind of just wave goodbye to carrying. Yeah.
1: Right. I think she. I think she also probably saw the fact that it's it's not her. Like she's probably she probably does feel like the Ottawa, not the Ottawa, but if you line them all together, she's probably the most like you said wearable.
0: The one that doesn't belong. Yeah.
1: Yeah, so, so she probably saw that. But, you know, of course she probably has a couple of tricks up her sleeves. Um, you know, to have her dad be able to help her out like that. its a lot of money. Um, a lot of yeah. money. Um, so I'm sure they really thought about it and planned it to the best that they can. So we'll see what happens. You know, she's... she—I For me, she's as famous... As a Gucci, she is as famous as Prada, she is famous as Donna Karen. you know, all these different designers. And I feel like she's more, I think her DNA of her brand is more like, I don't want to say hippie, but it's more like this is what I feel like a company should be. Like, you know, it's, vegan right. and, you know, nothing that harms the planet, you know, or, you know, fair. She's one
0: of the very first ones that led that movement yes. of of no fur, no, no fur animal cruelty, cruelty in, yeah. their, in their collection. So she's got a lot of great things going for her, especially in into the direction of the world that we're headed right. to with um, the millennial generation is taking over baby boomers by the end of next year. Or right. so. And that's something that really matters to a lot of. A lot of younger, de- or I use younger very loosely, um, that younger demographic defense, um, yeah. that's going to be able to purchase Stella McCartney. So it will be very interesting to um, to see what she ends up doing. Maybe she already has something planned, planned. and um, she's trying to get it up and running. And this isn't the first time that they've talked about selling back their stake to her. This is, I believe, the second or the third time oh, that it's wow. happened. Nice.
1: Um,
0: so it's. I think they know what's happening. It just hasn't physically been announced yet, and this was just kind of a rumor that started. And started. there's some truth to it, so.
1: So we'll see what happens. We'll definitely keep an eye on that, and you know we'll discuss it further. You know, thanks to Stella McCartney, we found you know Phoebe Philo. <laughs> yeah. And you know, um, so yeah, we'll see how what happens with Stella. Yeah. Um,
0: yes. And then, as far as have you heard about Farfetch yet, or?
1: Uh, no, just very. I just sc- scammed through it very briefly. Um, their website. I was actually looking for something, but I never actually.
0: So for listeners who have no clue what Farfetch is, um, it is more or less kind of like a. They've been comparing it to almost like a Spotify, but the fashion version. Um, or even I even when I looked at the website and I read about it as well, uh, it almost came up as some sort of a, a guilt. Dot com, if anyone's familiar with Guilt as well. Uh, basically what they are is they're an online platform that brings together either established designers or up-and-coming uh, brands that are just starting to hit the market and and uh, basically brings them out to the public and says, you know, here's here's different pieces, and you can search by men's, you can search by women's, and it allows you to search by color and size. It's, it's pretty much like as if you're shopping, oh, wow. um, but you're paying full price. So basically just bringing you what's in the store online. Um, so the great thing about it, though, is that it allows you for same day delivery. So if you live in the Chicago market, you live in Dallas, you live in L.A., Miami, New York City, any of those major cities, you can order something today. And in four hours from now, you could have it sitting at your doorstep. Wow. Um, so it's really that luxury fashion instantaneously.
1: Interesting. Yeah. I don't know. I thought it was... I was curious, though, how they were... They've been wanting to go this direction. Mm-hmm. And I see how Spotify kind of fits in this whole thing. Um, but just shop at the boutique.
0: Well, that yeah. You know, I, shop I, yeah. at the store. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: I mean, I don't know. I Farfetch is just—I think they're trying to be too much, but they have that new CEO, Ray, that was. Um...
0: Yeah, so uh, Natalie Massonet joined as their non-executive chair member recently, and she's for whoever doesn't know, um, she's the original person who founded Net-a-Porter. Uh, so, it, I, it makes me wonder: Are they? Are they looking to build something global? Uh, because these are designers from all over the world, and if you can reach reach a huge audience like that, right? It's it's a great thing, especially for an up up and coming designer. If you can get a, even five or six of your pieces onto this website and and have that exposure to even the United States, just right. even if you're talking one country, it's a huge thing to get your your business. Off the ground, oh, so.
1: Cause Nada Parte is globally, or is it British?
0: Uh, no, I believe it's global. If so I'm not mistaken.
1: Global. So it's like another like Moda Operandi.
0: And and here's my thing: is it's like you said, Gustavo, too. It's if you're gonna look to buy something like that, just go to the store. Right. I don't know. Maybe that's me. That I. I i like to be able to to touch the product and to see what right. it looks like and if it's a piece of clothing to be able to try it on and you're paying full price for this too that's and full the other
1: price is like 800 a thousand dollars yeah you're
0: talking like steep prices that you would right. find at a barney's or a Sachs or a Bergdorf goodman and um, it there's no at least to me there's no incentive to want to buy directly right. from this site um as opposed to I've shopped on sites like Gilts and, and they do carry your YSL, they carry your, your Gucci, they carry all of those high-end brands, but they also carry things that are much more affordable. And they do give you those luxury brands at a discounted price. Exactly. So, So I I think I would personally go on the site to see what new brands have, have come out on there and um, get myself familiarized with them and, and then be able to go from there, but... I don't know if it's if it's necessarily the the most the most effective way, way of, of, of reaching yeah. right.
1: Well, well, we'll see about that. I mean, they they have somebody who has done great things for partiparte, you know. And
0: she's, well, sure, I mean, if it takes off the ground like right. <laughs> like how her her previous her previous yeah uh, did, then this shouldn't be shouldn't be too far behind right. it, but. Um, It'll be interesting to see where where it goes from from here.
1: Definitely. So then, what did you think about Paris Fashion Week?
0: Oh, man. There were quite a few interesting ones. Um, I personally loved, loved, loved... And I've never been a fan up until maybe, gosh, we're talking like four or five years ago. Not even... Uh, Alexander McQueen's collection. Hmm. And it took me a long time to get on board okay. with Alexander McQueen just because there were just... And again, there's the minimalist in me that just could not get in, get on board with what they were showing. And for whoever can remember this collection, and I'm sure you've seen it too, um, shortly after Sarah Burton joined on Alexander McQueen, um, they did a menswear collection uh, that it was all almost like Mortician-inspired, that it had a bunch of velour uh, patch suit coats and yeah. these long trench coats, and it was um, all filmed in a, what looked like a train car almost. Yeah. Um, I believe it was 2012, 2011. Yeah, something. Uh, fell in love with, with McQueen, and I've loved everything that they've done since, and I don't know if it has to do with the fact that Sarah Burton took over or... <laughs> but just phenomenal they just had the leather the hardware their shoes anybody who looked at their shoes these shoes at fashion week were amazing Amazing. yeah
1: so yeah that show was really amazing i really liked um this is the thing see before mcqueen it was it was all about the show and The the, the production and you know yes the clothes was interesting you know but um at the end of the day, for a queen show, you either you get it, or you didn't. You know, with the production, the show, and right. the clothes.
0: That's right. The story. So
1: now, this is my thing that I've always been saying, and I've gotten a lot of debates, and I like I mean, through my blog, I've gotten a lot of hate mail because I've said that yes, he's a great designer. Yes, a lot of men designer know feminine lines, know the body. You know, of course, you know, look at Gucci, look at Christian Dior, Balenciaga, all these great designers who've right. revolutionized fashion. Right. But I think when it's a woman involved, I think it's a different take. Sure. Because, you know, as, like, for me, for instance, I could design a dress, but I mean, how do I know if you feel comfortable? Like, I think what's comfortable is different. You know, maybe that's why you go to school and so on and so forth, but I, I think with her, she gave it that feminine touch or that softness that he didn't have anything after uh, yeah after she took over I agree I she's like that. she's like okay now you know this can be wearable
0: right well and especially like this collection that was at Paris Fashion Week um, there's this juxtaposition of the softness of this beautiful like chiffon and organza and just very feminine looking even though it is black right. a lot of the clothing is black in the show but then you've got this hardness of the leather on the shoes and the the handbags and the metal and just there's this these two contrasting forces, but they work so, so beautifully well, yeah. together. The, yes. That she's kept the the legacy and the the core value of what makes McQueen McQueen. Yeah. And has, like you've said, you've brought that that, fem, that feminine touch to to a brand that for the longest time I never I couldn't it's like you said I never understood it right um, and it finally one day at that show it like it, it's like this light goes off in your head and you're like oh I get it now like, yeah it's beautiful
1: right because I do remember the collection that she did after he passed uh, which was in that um wherever they held up um, what's her face um Marie Antoinette. Um, Marie Antoinette, you know, she did a show there and then that's when they were rumored about her doing um, the Royal Gown. You know, that whole dress, that whole collection was amazing. It was leather. It was zippers. It was, you know, lace. It was organza. It was chiffon. You know, it was all this, you know, just slashed and pulled and, you know, trimmed and, it was, it was amazing. So, um, it's just like Leon Talley said, you know, now there's other people who could never wear McQueen are not looking at McQueen. Right. You know, because she, like I said, she does bring that feminine to touch. And I think sometimes, um, you see it in a different perspective when there's someone else designing. Right. So.
0: Right. You know, and, and McQueen, to even quote him, uh. He said, I want to empower women. I want people to be afraid of the woman I dress. Mm -hmm. And I think with with Sarah Burton now at the helm of this brand, it it really, she has built this very strong woman. Mm -hmm. There's this, it's a little androgynous in the sense that it's not completely girly like a lot of the other brands out there are that are very very much catered to a very feminine delicate woman mm-hmm. there's that le- hard leather and just even the way that the models are styled too but it's a very empowered woman mm-hmm. that they're they're looking to dress that's very headstrong and um that's what i i i, I really liked about that yeah. and um, that's what i really liked about their show that they just put uh, on the runway in paris so um, it'll be interesting the for anybody who watched it the very very last look their finale look it was this beautiful long gown um with a huge exaggerated lapel yeah um, all in black and then the skirt the bottom half of the skirt was almost just, like sheer organza with mm-hmm. like you were saying like torn fabric and it just it was phenomenal, it was phenomenal so if, yeah. if you haven't seen it watch it it's worth it Worth it. What I'm about you?
1: Me. Okay. Um, I've never... Okay. I've liked a few pieces from the designer. But I think it's because it's very Kardashian. I don't look <laughs> at it as much. <laughs> so yeah, I'm talking about Balmain. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, but this season, it was actually amazing. It was really different from... I mean, you still see some elements of what he is still there, mm-hmm. but it was, um, the beginning, you know, it looked very... It was very 80s. It was very, like, iridescent or, um... Uh, I don't know, like, plasticky, you know, 1980s, um, kind of feel to it. And the music was so 80s, so you definitely knew you were in the 80s when you saw the whole collection. Sure. But I, re- I really like that. It was really, um different from what he's ever done he's usually very like military very really structured very this and very that and you saw that like I said in there but it was I guess because it was different for me it was very or maybe because I just love the 80s I loved it so much because I do I, re- I re- we played a couple of times for the music let's be honest but I think it was one of his, his good collections um it I was
0: th- I think it was listed on Vogue.com as like one of the top shows in Paris yeah um so it was it was very received very well uh, as far as what the public thought and um, Vogue clearly thinks it's one of the top shows. Right. Um,
1: I mean I'm sure the prices are going to be high, but I think I think he made a show that he can still bill you eight hundred dollars you know for a t shirt or whatever. But when you look at it, it's like well it's a really cool t shirt, so I don't mind spending eight hundred
0: dollars. Right? Yeah, for the person who can have eight hundred dollars <laughs> on a t shirt. Right? <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, another of my favorite ones, do you want to go or should I go? No, go ahead. They revived the brand, um, Puree.
0: I saw that, Um, yes.
1: It was was mixed, it received very yes and no.
0: It wasn't my favorite, I'll tell Um, you that
1: much. (laughs) I think it wasn't, I think it had a really, I think it had a really good balance of, creativity and, you know, idea, creativity, you know, and a little, I guess, accessibility in a way of, yes, I could probably wear that. But I think um, the designer just threw a lot of stuff together and didn't really have... Do
0: you think that's a good thing or a bad thing, though? Like,
1: I think it's a good thing because it shows what she can do, but I think at the same time, you could probably restrain yourself a little bit. Room and, for edit? Yeah, room for edit. Um, so this designer is called Queen yi Queen gin she's Korean um she so she comes from a family who are designers quote unquote mm-hmm. um so it is um backed up by a um it is backed up by um a family so it's owned by family a family a family owned business interesting um not
0: publicly traded just family traded. owned
1: no, it's family-owned. So they've... Um, so she was a designer. She was selected by her grandfather, to be honest. Um, so they want to compete with the likes of, like, Chi and Celine and Montclair. Um, so her family members are head designers of Samsung.
0: Really? Yes.
1: So she's cousins Passing with... over. Right.
0: So I wonder, does that mean that there's some sort of a crossover between technology and fashion at some point, almost like Dries does?
1: Maybe, but according to this article that I that I've read, um, they're not they're like feuding cousins. Ah, okay. So I mean, hopefully they could you know put that aside and move forward. Um, but yeah, so their her cousins are two of the major um, people in charge at Samsungs. Um, Li Bu Jin, and Lee Siu Yarn. Wow. Um, so one of them is in charge of the C&T fashion division. And then they had Samsung's uh, related Sheila hotel businesses.
0: Interesting.
1: So there's obviously designers in them. So I'm curious to see what they can do next. But I think like going back to this brand, um, you know, Popperi was really... You know the father of couture, as he is named, um, really feathers and early nineteen hundreds. You know the way they dress. You Mm -hmm. know the Balapak and you know all that type of dressing. I think, like I said, I think she had a really good idea, but I think next time she should just edit.
0: Yeah, and uh, you mentioned that even Celine is is might be a head to head kind of competitor and for anybody who watched or even looked at the gallery of photographs of Celine's fashion show in Paris, it is very, very minimalistic. It almost, I looked at it and I almost thought I had clicked on Calvin Klein's page <laughs> at a certain point because it was so basic. Dare I say the word basic as far as the pieces are concerned. Okay. Tim I don't know. To me, if I was going to go and buy some sort of a, a brand that it was very minimalistic like that, I wouldn't spend the money on Celine. I would just... I mean, Calvin Klein's just just about the same.
1: So, but, is it like Hanes basic or like that, For Loom basic?
0: Not, I mean, not...
1: <laughs> not that basic? I don't know.
0: I mean, if you're gonna pin Puree and then you're gonna pin Celine next to each other, either one's gotta edit or one's gotta step their game up. Right. It, to
1: me, that looked too basic. Right. Because I don't know who's designing for Celine now. Um, I know after Phoebe left... Because I know this is this wasn't her last collection. So I, I don't know who's the new designer for this. But Celine is very minimalism. Um, as well as Jill Sander.
0: Um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's totally...
1: See, Jill Sander... She knows she's her brand is minimalism, but at least they give you something, you know, just like. Um,
0: well, that's that's their niche market. That's their thing, and they're okay with that, you know. It, so be it. But um, it'll, it's, it's going to be very very interesting to see what some of these designers put out. Oh, you know, put out next.
1: Haiti. I think I'm butchering his name. Hades Slamane. So he used to be at YSL. I mean, he had his own line and then he went to YSL. Um, I know I butchered his name, guys. Sorry. Um, It's just one of those difficult names. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so he used to be at YSL before this new guy took over.
0: And we'll talk about. introducing menswear couture fragrance um into its image and and this is going to be a very interesting turn this is talking talking about elevating a brand that has been constant in one thing Mm -hmm. and is going to elevate them to the next level they're adding menswear they're going to add fragrance i mean at least to me fragrance is is a big thing like You've done all of these things. You've done menswear. You've done womenswear, and you've really elevated yourself, and you've got the stability in in a in a fashion industry that allows you to move on to the next level to to start creating uh, a, fragrance. a fragrance, and that's that's a huge thing.
1: Yeah, I mean, we'll see what happens, Essie, but I don't know. It's just very modestum to the core. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Do you have any other favorites at Paris? Um, at
1: Paris, um, it was very eighties. Yeah, it was very eighties theme. Like Louis Vuitton was very eighties, but then Ooh. again, that's Nicholas gets scared. That's his thing. Right. He does eighties.
0: So if anybody didn't see it, it was a big deal. Um, for the first time in Louis Vuitton's 163 year history, a black fashion model has opened their show. Yeah, she's a Southern Californian model. Her name is Janae Furman. If you've never seen her, she's stunning. She's tall. She's got short hair. Like, she's she's beautiful. And uh, she is on Instagram, so for whoever doesn't follow her, you should definitely look her up. But she definitely uh, made a mention on her Instagram talking about um, about the fact that she was the very first one in this company's very rich it's history to have opened their show. So that's that's a big thing. That so definitely go thing. check that out.
1: Yes, definitely do. I mean, the show itself was really good. Um, Nicholas always does amazing shows, even mm-hmm. when he was at Balenciaga. Uh, my favorite from his at Balenciaga was... Um, uh, I think it was fall 2010. The one I sent you over tax. Oh, yeah. Where they did the black dresses right, and right, the right, right. Your mm-hmm. prints and all that. I love all that stuff. Um, yeah, so definitely check that out. Um...
0: Chanel's show was really Chanel's great. show was great. I was actually very surprised and thrilled that it did not look like every other Chanel, Chanel show. show. Yes. Um, for whoever didn't see it, it was. Um, it's always a big production when Carl when Lagerfeld uh, does his fashion shows, but this one was, in my opinion, probably one of my favorite ones that he's done to date with the exception of the supermarket-themed fashion show, if anybody uh, has yes. seen that, that was one of my favorites. But as far as the... Um, aside from production value, the actual clothing was so wearable. Mm-hmm, it was. It wasn't like this ridiculous uh, show that he had put on and half the stuff he couldn't wear. Right. It was just... It was great, this cross between this huge 80s shoulder pad and... But it was still traditional to the the Chanel brand, brand with their... I mean, they had their tweed in there. They had their little tweed suits. Like, it's
1: not Chanel without tweed. <laughs> right,
0: exactly. You're never going to get rid of that. But dare I even say it was even innovative in some respect mm. with some of the silhouette and some of the... the even the, the fabrics that he chose to use. So... To me, this was almost like a crossroads in the sense that it's—you've got Chanel of where it was into this innovation of where Chanel is going. Right. If that makes sense. Yes, it does. So it, to me, I think that's probably one of their best ones. Nice. That I've seen.
1: I've I've come around to actually, I guess, love and, and admire Lagerfelds. Because throughout the years, I would never... i will be like, why is he so famous? Like, why is he... Why does everyone love him? It's you an know? acquired taste. Right. <laughs> I guess back then, I didn't have any refined fashion taste. But um, I think for me, it's like... I guess because for me, I would see a little details, and then he'll make them big the following season. And all of a sudden, I was like, oh my god, Like he reinvented this. I'm like, no, if you look back in the seasons, it's there. But you know, you whatever. Just never to, saw it. Right, you just never saw it. But I mean, for me it's just like I guess throughout the years I'm like, okay, he is a really good designer. He does this and he does that. Um I think for me, he's perfect for the Chanel brand. There's nobody else No, no that one could else can do that brand justice. I mean he does Fendi, he does a woman's Fendi, but you know, I think that's a collaborative um creative design. But I think for Chanel he is Like the reincarnation of Gabrielle herself, you know.
0: Well it'll be interesting when when, you know, another hundred years to Carl Lagerfeld, but when he's gone, it's gonna be very interesting to see who takes over over that those reigns because
1: it's been almost or it has been over a hundred years.
0: Close to it.
1: Close to it, right?
0: So it'll I mean it's it's gonna be very interesting to see where where that brand would go whenever Karl Lagerfeld chooses to leave or uh, is no longer around so it but it's like Gustavo said there's no one that embodies embodies the Chanel heritage and the 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 core value and the soul of that brand
1: right. no there's nobody else so then I've I've been able to appreciate that and the couture shows like I get it he is really creatively there. He's like a 100% like creative. Yeah. And then Absolutely. Um, besides the couture shows he does the Martillier of the Arts or something like that it's called where he gets all these French artisans and then they'll design it and then he'll throw it on a dress or something like that. It's like a collaboration too. Mm-hmm. Um, which I thought is brilliant. You know somebody who still does that somebody who still believes in like the French craft you know so like I said we'll see what happens because he's really pushing all these French stuff to crafts and artists lines to more to be used more now than ever so
0: Uh, and then the last one that I thought was just phenomenal and I mean I've seen them at New York Fashion Week so I'm huge fan Ralph and Russo Ralph and Russo. I have
1: not seen that collection. Oh,
0: yet. it was it just it was beautiful. For whoever's not seen it, take an extra 5 minutes and go see it and um I did see this on l.com. If you do have the opportunity l.com, you can um search the actual city um with the particular li- listing of fashion designers that you're looking for. So you can go to Paris, you can go to London, you can go to Milan. Um, You can go to New York Fashion Week and it shows you the listing of all the designers and you click on it and it shows you their entire lookbook of what they've put on for that particular season. So it's a really great reference guide um, for the image. And uh, Ralph and Russo is just phenomenal and their looks three through five right at the beginning just go to show you how strong of a collection that came out as just, we're talking these beautiful black and white windowpane prints on their suits with these phenomenal wide lapel white coats on top. Like, just this very structured traditional garment, but still beautiful. And you can appreciate its femininity all at the same time. Um, they had one in particular. I believe it was on Look 5. had a midi length skirt, all in black, but it was... Like, this laser-printed houndstooth skirt. Wow. Just beautiful. So, and they I mean, they never seem to let anybody down in in the regard that they're always changing their look. And they're always very innovative. And, like I said, I've seen them at at New York Fashion Week. And the year I saw them, they were just, they were phenomenal. And I wish they were still showing at New York Fashion Week (laughs) the opportunity to go see them again just because you've never had the opportunity to to look at any of their their designs they're very creative and in the the woman that they dress so um it'll be great i mean paris fashion week i think was was a great over it was just great overall we'll for, uh, yeah. for for everyone that was there and it'll just it it i i guess i'm curious to see come in the next few years how many more of our American designers transition over to Paris? Um, just because it was this this great concept um, that was brought er, brought together to bring American designers to an international stage and much more exposure to, to the market. And I may be going out on a ledge say, you know, here, but does this have any effect on designers that, have deflected to Paris in the sense that is that exclusivity of a Paris design still exclusive as opposed to you're bringing in all these American designers to Paris to me Paris Fashion Week and Couture Fashion Week were always the symbol of exclusivity it was this thing that was unattainable almost that you wanted a design from Paris and now you're bringing in all these American designers for lack of a better word. And to me it's lost its
1: the purpose it's, in a way. It's attraction. It's attraction.
0: So yes, because parents
1: used to be like the Ivy schools or Sure. The A team, you know, right. were like, you know like you don't knock at our door, we knock at your door. Right. <laughs> Um, so it was really interesting this this season to see, you know, Rodarte in Paris right. and Altazora right. in Paris. Um, I think those are the two major ones that I've, I guess I follow, I've noticed. Um, I just feel, you feel like they're snubbed or in a uh, way
0: no not necessarily I, I guess in my my question in my mind is at what point does the French Fashion Federation say we've been overrun by all these American it designers or, not, uh, let's take it even a step further they don't even need to be American they could be foreign from Paris they could right. be from anywhere in the world at what point do you do you say okay we've had too many now Like we need to keep that that exclusivity of a Paris, Paris design. Does that make sense? Yes. Maybe I'm going out on a ledge and I'm completely... No, no, no. In a, in, so you're against Lafield. it or are
1: you for it?
0: I'm almost against it.
1: Right. Okay.
0: Because I feel like we have so much talent here in the in the U.S. And even in Europe, all over, there's so much talent. And I think the, the thing that I appreciated the most about Paris Fashion Week and Couture Fashion Week was that these designs were exclusive to just, just that. that. Okay. And you lose your, your luster. Okay. In my eyes.
1: Okay. Does
0: that make sense?
1: Yes, it does. <laughs> um, no, I see what you're saying. Um, I just feel like honestly, I don't think like Altizura is up there with these other French designers. Mm-hmm. Rodarte I can't see when they really want to show you nice Dresses. They'll show you nice dresses without them being American California girls. You know what I mean? Sure. Um, But I just feel like they're reaching a different audience that they know they can't reach in America. You know, because America, we've known here, has American American sportswear. Right. You know, you rarely have that one designer that actually... um, does evening wear, you know, like Carolina Herrera, right? Okay, and then you have Oscar de la Renta, and then you have, I guess Don, what is it? Dennis Brasso.
0: Dennis Brasso, yeah. The,
1: who does more like formal wear, you know? But everyone else right. does American sportswear, which is not. Jeans and stuff like that, but American sportswear. No, but it's not formal wear by any means. Right, it's not formal. Yeah, like Ralph Lauren, Calvin Klein. Mm -hmm. As much as you want, not you, but as much as people want to call it minimalism, whatever it is, it's still American sportswear.
0: Right. You know. I don't know. I mean.
1: So this is why other brands have their private collections, you know, because they have Calvin Klein by appointment or appointment only. And then they have Ralph Lauren, but black label, purple label, whatever they right. they have. Mm-hmm. And then they have um, Donna Karan New York, supposed to be, like, upscale. But for me, it's just the same thing as D.K. and Y. Right.
0: Um, it just, I guess my whole thing is, especially with, like, uh, uh, Haute Couture Fashion Week, you have to have an address registered to Paris. You have to have an atelier in Paris. Right. In Paris, like you have to be Paris based, Based. if that makes sense. Yes. And everything is made by hand. Like there's this this labor of love. And so, in my head, it's like you've lost that, like I said, that luster
1: Um, of of something.
0: So, my question then is do you get rid of all of the fashion weeks? Do you get rid of New York? Do you get rid of London? Do you get rid of Milan? And you just centralize everything in one city?
1: And, no. and you
0: bring all the world's buyers to one city and say, okay, we're going to do two weeks of fashion. and
1: That's a whole lot. I mean, I get it. But you, you see where I'm coming yeah, from? Yeah, I see where you're coming from. But I know, I, I think each city has its own distinctive voice. Sure. You know, you got London who does very traditional way of clothing, especially for men's fashion week. They're very... Um, Tradition of different sense of like the wools and the plaids and stuff like that. And then you go to Milan where they do more of the knits and the velvets, you know, and stuff like that. And then you go to Paris where they do more of the, um, more like of a, more like of a not, I don't want to say tighter look, but more of a sleeker look. Okay. And then you come to American sportswear that they do American sportswear, <laughs> So, I don't know. I think Couture is still going to be Couture. I think, you know, they're not going to let anyone else in. Unless they really, really, really do the hours. Because I think that's what they do, right? Oh, something hours in order for you get your credentials right. of right. Couture. There's,
0: right. There's X amount of hours that have to be completed. There's, there's a lot of hoops that you have to jump through. And I, I learned about this all in college. And I never realized. I, I took a, um, like a. Not necessarily a marketing class per se, but it talked about all of, of fashion-related business, if that makes sense. And there's so many stipulations that you have to be able to to surpass mm. in order to be considered for this. So, that, I guess that's where I'm coming from, is if you've jumped through so many hoops, you should leave that alone.
1: leave that alone, yeah. So, there's okay. there going to be no Betsy Johnson couture
0: do know it just that's I, whatever I've said by <laughs> <piece>. <laughs> I mean what is everybody thinking? does everybody think does someone have a specific opinion about let us know I mean maybe know. there's yeah. something I've I've missed on this but no but I
1: think initially um Americans in pa- Americans in Paris which I think it's a program they have with the CFDA mm-hmm. yep. um is just for them to reach a different a much broader or different audience that they would Just selling in America if they have boutiques in America, right? Um, you know, because there's certain designers that do sell to was it Harrods, right? In in London, London. Mm -hmm. and then there's what Colette in Paris, um, you know. So, I think it's a different way of them reaching a customer that they normally wouldn't who wouldn't walk into those shops. It's a
0: good point, so very valid,
1: but I think that's the difference when you're trying to show Americans in Paris when there's actually American designers showing in Paris. so I, and I see what you're saying. So I guess it's just show your trunk show instead of a fashion show. I don't
0: know. Because then,
1: you know, we, we don't have nothing else to show here.
0: <laughs> right. I Well, either way. I've said my piece on it. <laughs> 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 so, but... Um, but yeah, I mean, that's... That's kind of where we're at with that. And does anybody have a specific opinion what, what they think about it uh, please let us know we'd love to hear everyone's thoughts about it uh, and then just our last little tidbit and our last little uh, piece of, of information I guess or more of a conversation is what most people think about of of Dior and Givenchy being designed by women now mm-hmm. when we're going back years, years ago it was started by men. Men. Um, so how do you make that transition from a, a label that was founded by a man and spent so many years under a man's
1: thumb rule,
0: right? Not thumb, you know. And rule. has and has transitioned over into a, a women's designer. So it's
1: so a lot of them were first. You know, like Claire color, Color, mm-hmm. Gucci, the first woman ever, uh, Maria Grazia Churi is also the first um you know i am have you seen jimani's collection lately
0: i saw a little bit of it and it's very interesting because it keeps that um i guess that's the theme that everybody's going with this year but there's this this toughness but this softness at the same time it's like these two polar opposites pulling and mm-hmm. Uh, in different directions but it very does very much keeps with um Givenchy's ideas of of the leopard print for example um it very you know very dark very slick um I almost want to use the word dangerous looking (laughs) right in the sense like the person that it embodies Mm -hmm. like you wouldn't he'd be afraid of them kind of thing right. like it, it's a, it's a powerful person that's wearing them
1: no 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 yeah I agree um, um yeah I really I liked her runway show than her couture show mm-hmm. um I think her couture show it was safe in a way that it was you think so? I think it was safe for being her first show
0: you think it's
1: because it was her first show? I that- think because it was her first show, um, so I'm really excited. I really want to see what she does in her next show, but then again, Claire, she comes from okay. So a little bit about Claire White, color. I don't know if you know this, but she started um, at Calvin Klein as head um started Calvin Klein, and then she took over CK as head designer. And then she went over to Ralph Lauren, where she became head designer for the Purple label. And then she got tapped to by Tom Ford to work alongside him, mm-hmm. where he was at Gucci, which also there was Christopher Bailey and Francis Costa, who ended up Francis Costa who ended up taking over Calvin Klein. Um, and then from there she went to Pringle of Scotland, which is a British a Scottish brand, um, where they do knits. So that's where I. Kind of knew her aesthetic, her background for mens, from you know reviewing mens fashion shows, mm-hmm. um, which I think her mens was really great. And then her mens and Givenchy was like okay cool, like you know she's, you know in her core. I um, and, and then from Pring of Scotland she went to Chloe, where she took over after Hannah McGibbon was let go or, I mean sorry departed, um, and then she you know then she went to Chi. So, she comes from this place where, at Tom Ford, she knows how to do sexy. I guess, she doesn't call it sexy, she calls it romanticism. Mm -hmm. And then, and also she has this background of just like, this edginess of what Prince of Scotland is. You know, even though it is menswear, it's a little edgy, it's a little rock and roll, it's a little bit, um, a lot of wool, a lot of knits.
0: She has range when it yeah.
1: comes to how she designs. Yeah, how she designs. So I that's why I was a little... Not disappointed, but I guess a little let down through the tour. But I guess because it was her first show. And then her runway show a few weeks later, I think it was... She She did give you a little bit of herself in jiwon But then I guess... I was reading another article. She said that she... Wanted to tap into what he stood for, which is, you know, just seeing the woman, but still keeping her romantic, you know? Right. So it's, well, again, it's something that she does.
0: This, to me, dare I even compare it to when Sarah Burton went to McQueen, in mm. some sense. Okay. Um, Not in their style aesthetic or their design by any means, but in the sense of, I was very let down by Sarah Sarah Burton's first initial few designs and then it progressively became more her with the 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 soul of McQueen. Okay. That makes sense. Yes. So I, I wonder if this is gonna pan out in the same direction that when you you go from such a, a, a large name like Givenchy or even uh, for even Valentino, let's let's throw that out there. And you bring in a brand new designer. It takes the public a while to get accustomed to a new designer. Because, sure, they're going to design with that particular aesthetic. Right. But there's a piece of them in that, too. And it, it takes people a while to right. get used to it. And so I wonder if that was her way of easing.
1: Easing into the collection. Uh-huh. Easing into the neighborhood, the DNA. Right. Yeah, I think I think so. But, I mean, I like I said, like I really see... Her trying to come out of that, so hopefully she does soon.
0: I hope so. I mean, I think that um, this might be the the revival that
1: they're been looking they for
0: were looking before. for. So it'll it'll be interesting. We'll see what what comes of it. So
1: but you think she'll bring them out of like that dark, not dark, not darkness, but the dark ages as they were calling it when Ricardo not, was. Yeah, there. I mean,
0: not necessarily. I, I, modernizing it in modernizing that regard in that regard if that makes sense in because there's always that saying like you keep doing what you've always done and you always get the same results and yeah. sometimes that's not always the best thing sometimes you have to you have to change things up a little bit and maybe that's what this needs right so
1: so let will see but I'm excited like I said you know I follow her ever since the Pringle, Pringle of Scotland and she was a really good designer there um she knows what menswear.
0: so um i'm particularly just i'm very excited to see what maria grazia curie does at um at dior um her collection at fashion week in paris was just it was phenomenal and it was very i think very very on trend with the current state of of society and what what what's going on in our world i mean it was held in a museum with it literally was plastered all with signs, and some of the signs said women's rights are human rights, and it's very much with that uh, women's rights movement right now. And um, she took Dior that was very much... I Whenever I hear Dior, I always reference the new look, which is that post-era skirt. Right. That it was that big, midi-length skirt full of fabric, and... That's what I think of when I always think of Dior. Like that's what sticks in my head. And they've brought this less delicate, more tomboyish, more um, androgynous of a look.
1: Uh-huh.
0: And she's modernized that less delicate look into more. Like I said, that more of that tomboyish design to fit with t- today's society. See? So I, it, to me, it almost it almost mimics like what is happening in our world but through clothing and right. And to me that's beautiful. I think that's that's what fashion is supposed to do.
1: You're supposed to stay relevant to the times. Right, exactly. And I think that's what she's doing that. I didn't get her first collection, but after reviewing it again and then seeing it all and then watching her last one that she did with the feminism, I think she's exactly
0: I think she's what Dior... It. Yeah, I think she's what Dior, Dior
1: needs. She needs. Yeah, I think she's exactly what they need. Um, a lot of people disagree. But, um, again, it is... Dior, it is a very feminine brand. But then again, with, like you said, with the times now, with the movements, like, what do you really call feminine
0: nowadays? Right. There's this... this you know,
1: because uh, there's tomboys ambiguous. out there. Ambiguous. Yes. There's, you know, there's a lot of women out there who are feminine in their own ways. You know, there's Tomboys out there. You got right. some tomboys, but I'm still a woman. Right. You know, so I think she's just designing for every every woman now. You know, the one that likes to wear trousers. She's giving them trousers. She's giving them jackets. She's right. giving them this. You know, and then well, you and want to be.
0: It's very interesting to see, too, now if she's going to stick with what's happening in today's society is is modernizing and taking Dior into a different direction I'll be interested to see what that does to the customer base in the sense that if you've got this younger demographic that you're trying to target now mm-hmm. and I use younger in the word loosely because that could be a, a very wide a variety, variety of ages yeah. but um, it might target a different audience now too and the people that didn't get Dior will finally understand it and, and will pick up that very first piece and maybe we'll attract a different consumer. So I really, yeah, I, I th- really liked it. I thought it was something different and it was, for me, it was ex- unexpected.
1: Mm-hmm, definitely. Yes. I think so. Because I feel like she gets it, you know, she's been working alongside her friend a Valentino, but they've known each other for so many years you know, um, they know women. They know that she evolves. Right. And I think once you want to stay on the same track, you know, I think you lose people. And I think I think it goes like with Chanel. Like, he, like, I feel, gets it. Like, he gets the brand of the DNA. Mm-hmm. And she knows how, he knows how she was. Like, you know, very through history or through movies or through ever, we know that she was very ballsy, she was very this, she stuck to her own guns. And that's a Chanel woman, you know, who, yes, I'm wearing tweets, so what? You know? And I think with Dior, you know, yes, it's very feminine, but she's giving you the different options of how to dress. And I think that's really nice.
0: Yeah, I mean, part of being a designer is always always to be innovative and to present something that is new or un- or unthought of, and and she did that. At least in my opinion, I think that she brought something to the table that most people didn't didn't expect to do, or didn't expect Dior to right. go in that direction. Because so. she
1: was the one that had like the mask, right?
0: I believe so. Yes. Some
1: of them were the masks, which yeah. I thought was pretty cool. Um, yeah, I didn't see. I just ran through the collection. I didn't see the other pictures of backstage, or I knew there were some that some took cool pictures. Cool sunglasses in those yeah. in
0: that yeah. show too. So awesome. it, it, it'll be very, um, very interesting to see like what this, what the market does then, uh, in regards to even just buying, like, who's going to, who's going to start carrying more of their, of a Dior piece then.
1: Right.
0: So, but yeah, uh, we definitely would love to hear everybody's feedback, comments, concerns, or, um, if you even just, if you even like us. Right. Um, <laughs> But uh, we, we really want to say thank you for allowing us to kind of express our, our love for fashion and, and what we think makes fashion work and what makes the world go around. And, Definitely. Um, we will more than likely continue this, what would you say, on a monthly, monthly basis? Monthly basis.
1: It kind of looks like it. So I know if it's a little too long, that's the reason why. But I think we're, we're good on time.
0: Um, so, so, I mean, if it's something that you guys absolutely fall in love with, that you love it, definitely come or let us know. We would be more than more than willing to do more than... Right. Or more give than us some
1: ideas fun. for new shows, new episodes. Um, we might do another one soon or maybe not too soon. We'll, I guess, discuss about that. Yeah. Um. You know, so... Thank you for joining. in.
0: Yeah. Thank
1: um, you for... Go ahead, sorry. No, it's okay. I was just going <laughs> to end it with... Um, so to get, a, to get to know us a little bit more we're trying to end this show um, and not that it didn't go positive but more on a positive note as in to get to know us a little bit better like what are you obsessing over right now
0: <laughs> Um,
1: it could be I would like for it not to be fashion related since we just spent oh this you know, isn't
0: fashion related trust
1: me <laughs> <laughs> we just spent like an hour and plus you know talking about fashion so we could just
0: Um, Um, for who, anybody who knows me, they will all tell you, you can ask anybody who knows me well enough this same exact identical question and they will give you this answer. I am a die hard Big Brother fan. (laughs) (laughs) I don't care if it's the American one, I'm currently watching the Canadian one right now. How is
1: that going? I've heard like really... Some reviews were like, I can't believe this happened.
0: It is. I literally want to go on the show. I love it that much. Um, I have a bit of an an obsession with it. Um, I'm what they call a live feeder. And I literally watch the live feed cameras on the house all day. And people call it creepy. Some people get it. What You know, come of it.
1: What goes on in this life? It's like what. So it, what's the difference do you not know from what that? The premise being? of
0: the show is. I know the premise
1: of the show, okay. but what is that different from what they show? It in like is primetime TV. Uh,
0: well, okay, so obviously you're condensing 24 hours of camera into hour. information into an hour-long show. Mm-hmm. So obviously you're cutting a lot of that content out, or even if there's a conversation that's happening, a, a, a big piece of it's cut. Um. So basically, it's. There's about, I want to say about 100 cameras outfitted in this home, and it's it's a home that's built on a soundstage in a studio, and um, these 100 cameras record day in and day out life of uh, these 16 people that are locked in a house away from the rest of the world, and just the amount of paranoia that ensues, or you think one thing's happening and it's really this way. So it it gives the people that watch from home a much more in depth um view of life and and the actual game as opposed to the hour long television episode. Okay. Um because there's certain things that, like I said, you have to cut and the public doesn't know about it. So it's I'm literally a diehard fan, so you could get me talking about it for hours. <laughs> but what's something no one else knows that like you're like obsession
1: is. Oh my god, I am. I am such a nerd, but it's not even cool either. So I. It's okay, redis- mine's not cool either. <laughs> I rediscovered my love for Angry Birds. Oh no. I have a. Uh, I have a ten-year-old niece, and all and her tablet, all she has is. Like, Angry Birds... She doesn't have the first one. She has Angry Birds 2. She has Angry Birds Star Wars. She has Angry Birds oh my gosh, something she's else. she's got all of them. She has all of them. Like, I don't know how many she has, but she was asking me to help her pass a level. Uh-huh. So I ended up playing... I ended up taking her tablet from her and just, like, playing the whole game myself. Yeah, and uh, she never got it, it back. And now she it gets it. back. <laughs> <laughs> so now, this past weekend, we were trying... We both were passing the tablet back and forth. Like, if I'll get bored, and uh, she'll take it over, and then she'll just throw it back at me. So that's what I've been obsessing over this past weekend. My love for Angry Birds.
0: So... What we've come to the conclusion of this show is that we both like anything fashion related and we have some really, really nerdy really habits, habits, <laughs> hobbies outside of this. Right. But um, but yeah, I mean, if you connect on one of those and you're more than welcome to send in a comment about that, I'm sure we'll talk about that <laughs> too right. with you. Uh, but yeah, thank you so much to everybody who's, who's taken the time and who's actually still listening to us at, by right. the end of this. Um, but... This is definitely the, the beginning of a, a really great journey, sure. and I can't wait to see where this podcast goes. Definitely,
1: definitely. You know, like I said, it's been a long time coming from yeah. brainstorming to actually ha ha ha, because that's exactly how it started, I believe.
0: Yeah, it started off as a joke. As a
1: joke. And then we were both like, well, why not? Like, yeah, yeah why not? So I then, mean,
0: we're definitely opinionated people, right. so <laughs> why can't we do that? So.
1: Right, so then from there to here, we're officially here, so... Thank you guys for joining in Um, and look out for the artist's feeds and then we'll show you our next show.
0: Thanks. Have a great night. Thanks. Have a
1: good night.